0: It was your boy, Sam Gilstrap. That name's got a ring to it like a wedding, pal. So please get down on one knee, and I will say yes immediately. <laughs> this quarantine has got me so alone. But through the gift of podcasts, I have friends. Through the gift of Zoom, I have theater. And today we marry all of those things with me. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back, ghosties. Today is episode 51 with our main man, Tom House. Tom, how's it going,
1: brother? Good. Thank you so much for having me at number 51. Absolutely.
0: I'm glad you're here, maybe. Um, uh, The little housekeeping before we get started. As always, that song that brings us in and sends us out is War (laughs) by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. So please go to iTunes and cop that joint. Um, Follow them on Spotify. They have some good, good stuff. As well as... Our first official sponsor, Susan Ramsdorf Terry, is making masks with solid color as well as Star Wars, Harry Potter, Avengers, and other fabrics. She can acquire other patterns as well. You can stay safe and support a local costume designer for just $10 a mask. You can reach out to Susan Ramsdorf Terry on Facebook or send us an email at theghostlightsoutlook.com to be in touch with Susan. I hope you uh, get out there and get your masks because although we are in Colorado, like loosening our uh, grip on some of the regulations that were in place with this quarantine, it does not mean you should not have your masks. Some stores will not let you in without them. That is something you need to wear. Yes, it may infringe on your comfortable rights, but I'd rather live than you be comfortable. So please put your masks on. Thank you everybody. Um, our unofficial drink sponsor is the, uh,
2: Casa Amigos.
0: Mezcal, tequila, George Ooh. Clooney. You've given me er and good, good, smooth, smoky tequila. Mmm. Oh, that's good. That's damn good. I Have you ever seen away. an
1: agave plant, Sam? Huh? No. Have you ever? They're humongous. That's why tequila is so expensive. They're like taller than six or seven feet. Ooh. I yeah. Need to
0: go, like tour a place that makes tequila when well, next time in Mexico. Oh,
1: that's a good idea.
0: Definitely. Dan, what are you drinking tonight? What am I drinking? Yeah, what are you drinking? Tell the folks. Tell the folks at home. They want to know.
2: I got, you know, generic Merlot. Mm. Nothing exciting.
0: Did it come out of a box, a bottle?
2: No, it came out of a bottle. I, I honestly don't even know what it is, and I don't want to get up to go look at it.
0: <laughs> you don't need to. It's fine. It's fine. It's delicious. I don't want you to stress yourself. I just wanted to know. Yep. Tom, what are you smoking tonight? We got a
1: cigar? Oh yeah. I have a Undercrown by Drew Estates. It's a double Corona. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. It's so, very full. It's not for the faint of heart.
0: <laughs> that is, that is, that is, a, that is a cigar that your boy probably will need to age up into. <laughs> right, now, right now I'm still, I'm still young out here in these, these cigar smoking streets. Um, well, I,
1: I've been smoking for like five years and I smoke every night cause I, I, to stump Pavlovian thing where I have to smoke cigars to then write and mm-hmm. I write every day and so I have I smoke cigars and I go write. so it's it, it took me about two years before I could have one of these and not get sick at the end <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's 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 definitely a trial by fire I'd say oh yeah it took you two years to get through it without getting sick afterwards
1: oh the missus was not pleased about that journey
0: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure there are very few I mean yeah, it's yeah it's an acquired taste for everybody involved.
1: Through sickness and health, though, right? It doesn't matter if sickness is self-inflicted.
0: That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some people can get a pass. That's Tom true. Got a pass. Right. <laughs> so, Tom, you um have so been awesome enough to um give me an opportunity to act again in the uh, C nineteen theatrical response team. Um, weekly event this week. and uh, what is the show that you wrote and are directing for this project?
1: Okay. um it gets it, 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 this could get a little involved, and I'm sorry if I sound pretentious, but okay. I'm gonna own that. Own so it, all right.
0: Um, I have a podcast so I can hear the sound of my voice.
1: and you but you have a beautiful voice. you really do. It's smooth and silky. Oh, what I did. you're
3: there.
1: like you're I'm like a couple now. you're a couple notes behind below a, Uh, Barry White honestly you're almost there (laughs) Um, so with the zoom format um, it's an interesting opportunity for me to like merge theater quote-unquote with film right Mm -hmm. Um, which and film is what I'm far more comfortable with and uh, um, what I found though is in a lot of zoom plays taking a narrative for longer than 10 to 15 minutes gets a bit cumbersome.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, just because, and that's, that has nothing to do with the material or the actors or directing it or anything like that. It's, it's the format yeah. and the formats limited and owning those limits uh, I think is what you have to do to be successful in this format. And uh, so what I wanted to do is write three short plays mm-hmm. um, that are kind of thematically linked to each other. Um, and they kind of, they kind of range the gamut like a couple of them are funny and one of them is very personal for me but that's like a whole thing.
0: Yes. Well what is the can you can you break down like what are the three main chunks of your and what's the title again?
1: Uh the derivative havoc of three short plays which I thought was a clever title. Okay. Um because it's all it's all references to other stuff which sam you've worked with me now twice on yeah. stuff and I'm very referential in stuff that I do. I try to use it as seasoning uh to make Mm. Uh, to make, you know, narratives a little bit more, you know, tasty, I guess, Absolutely. and uh, it's like so a
0: little bit of on your glass,
1: right? Yeah, it's yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, so the first one is, uh, the Phantom of the Opera. It's a play on Phantom of the Opera, done through um, Donald Barthelme, um, who wrote this short story about uh, somebody trying to convince the Phantom to get plastic surgery. And I thought that was a beautiful idea and it could be explored in a short format. Um, The second one, I couldn't get the rights to do play because Beckett's family is like super uh, controlling of the rights and stuff. So I was like, I'll just write my own. And so I wrote my own version of play um, and titled it Play Uh, (laughs) 2. And uh, the third one is about Don Quixote and why he can't, um, why he's not allowed to, to adventure on that particular day which is the one you're in and you play uh sancho panza and it's absolutely it's lovely oh, man. <laughs>
0: it's a it's a it's a real fun piece it's definitely and, and it smokes it like what i mean by smokes it just clips like it just there's no way to not like have fun reading that out and when you get to play with jim hunt and Joe hyatt who are both involved in the project i mean <sighs> yeah that, wow, right there
1: Try being that
0: one at least everybody
1: Try being the director. We were like, Jim, I need you to do this. And it's so weird because he has the character almost immediately when he says oh, yeah. it. And it's, oh, man. Um, yeah. He
0: was late and he had it knocked out of the park.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, that's something that the Zoom format has given me, this opportunity to work with actors like Jim Hunt, where I, 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 lo- I like theater and I want to direct theater at some point. Mm-hmm. But I would never have gotten this opportunity if not for you, if not for Bradley and Dan's doing the COVID-19 Theatrical response team yes. thing, and I mean now I get to write my material and and you know and I don't know it's very liberating and amazing.
3: Yeah,
0: it, it's a great it's a great opportunity, and I'm glad that they've uh, like I've, I've said over the last couple of podcasts, I've been really fortunate that not only am I friends with both of these gentlemen, but um, they they respect me enough, they respect what I do on stage, to let, ask me to be involved, or should they even let me to be involved, um, and it's been one of the things that's kept me sane. It's, these days are not easy and when you're an artist who i mean as a lot of us have and some on the opening night lost work yeah well, we overnight it felt like we were just boom you have no job and now that we don't have a job does that mean we stop being artists do we stop acting do we stop creating and right there are there are multiple people all over the nation and the world that are trying to get not only content out there, but like good content and focus on, mm-hmm. focus on the craft. I and mean, I think you're right it, with this medium, it takes specificity and it takes, it takes buy-in like, okay, oh, yeah. this isn't perfect, but we're going to make it as damn near perfect as we possibly can.
1: Oh yeah. The, the format's definitely limited and it's not perfect. I mean, I, I try to get you guys as close to an artistic expression as possible, Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's it's. This is like a, a a bastardization of of film and theater. It's not really either of them, so it's not really fulfilling. I'm sure for you guys as much as theater or film would be.
0: You know, when I started, I would definitely say that that was that was the case for me, and and that was my own personal biases that did that that created mm-hmm. that idea in my head. Um, I there's there's something about being in the room physically with somebody else mm-hmm. there's something about that connection and and I, human beings can can do some can go down some dark roads without that connection
1: oh yeah yeah and
0: some of us can with that connection but it, it, it's harder to go down those roads when you've got people and when you're an actor you pull so much from that other person i mean you can do all the research in the world with the script and make all the choices you want to make in rehearsal. But another person in front of you doing something different tonight, that makes it exciting and it brings it out of you. And, and there, it's harder because, you know, if you're not, I mean, up to this point we haven't done memorization. So it's not like all into the camera box. It's have a moment, look at their lines, scroll back up. Right. But that's still, I mean, like I said, if you're using this as a, if you're 100% committed to it, you understand that this is a great opportunity to work at specific tools, cold, cold oh, yeah. copy technique, cold copy technique. This is, it's important. It's the best way to go into a callback or an audition where they're handing you aside. If you can pull the words off the page and deliver those lines with intention and with backed by a relationship based choice, you can, You can secure a lot of jobs,
1: right? Well, and then at the end of the week too, you get to perform it for some people, which is not as cathartic, obviously, as an as an as an opening night, but it's still something. You know, it's still something there. Yeah, definitely.
0: And and got to keep the sharp. We got to keep those tools sharp. Absolutely. There's going to be an opening night again. You're going to have another, you know, release night party. People are going to come to the theater. They're going to pack the Oriental, and they're going to want to see the next Tom House joint. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> no problem
0: we, there, i so, mean that's we're gonna uh, once we get to that place if that's you know vaccine or we just we just open up the doors period right like that those days are going to come and i would i haven't i talk to myself a lot and one of the things i've been selling myself over and over again like george kittle on the sideline after we lost to the chiefs this year i'm <sighs> going to come back with a vengeance Your football
1: references are a bit over my head. I'm sorry. It's totally
0: fine. (laughs) fine. You've got some references that go over my head. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, like I'm going to come back with a vengeance and and we should be, we should be doing everything that we can right now to make sure that we're staying sharp and staying focused and staying ready. Um, One of the things that I love about um, the derivative or the, what was it again? The derivative
1: havoc havoc of three short plays.
0: That's the derivative havoc of three short plays. There are commercial interludes. Yes
1: yes yeah one of them is for um taco town which is a reference to a play that luke sorgi wrote mm. um i reference all these like professional people i've never met and i wanted to do one for for one of my best friends i wanted to do one for luke and right. <laughs> and then the second one is uh one of my favorite, one of my daughter's favorite uh char- book characters and so she's doing that as the second oh, one yeah
0: oh man it's so great that you're getting your daughter involved
1: oh she yeah she she gets very stage frighty, so this is like perfect because she doesn't have to be on, mm-hmm. on screen. She just has to move a puppet. So she's very, very in love with it. And she gets to be with Mr. Curtis and Miss Elena and she loves both of them. So she's like, I could be in a play with Mr. Curtis. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, both of those people are friends of not only the Ghost That's podcast, but of mine. And I'm really happy that through this time they're involved in a project. They bring, they bring a lot of energy to it, and a lot of um, artistic charisma
1: oh and a ton of creativity yeah um curtis is curtis is like this madman of ideas like he he like he'll come up with an idea and it inspires me to go oh i gotta write this thing like that uh short uh we did um the 14 plays uh through quarantine days thing right and there's like limitations and stuff and that like ignited my muse to write like that night i wrote it in a night and sent it off that day and it was um what it, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But Elena is also her instincts are just insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she's so good.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, she's yeah. They're, they're both risk takers. I, I I'm really lucky to count them as friends and uh peers at this point in my career.
1: Right. Yeah. You're definitely definitely up there. Yeah. Well,
0: thank you, man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you um tune in to Facebook Um, The uh, C19 Theatrical Response Team page will be sharing this with us live at 2 p.m. So make sure that you uh, step in, take a a gander at the derivative Havoc of Three Short Plays by Tom House. He's written everything and uh, he's directing it all and he's got some great people behind him and I had the the liberty of overhearing the Taco Town commercial today. Don't want to miss that. Um, <laughs> speaking of Taco Town, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Bradley Abeta, wanted to wanted to ask. Hey Tom, you, yeah. Up? you
1: uh, up? Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, Tom, strap in. You ready for okay. this? This is the uh, podcast I th-
1: now. I think so, and I'm going to be honest with your listeners. I'm super nervous right now, and but I'll try not to ramble too much or lose my train of thought.
0: No, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So getting into film, filmmaking, yeah. how did that happen?
1: Um okay, so I was probably four years old and uh I'm an only child, single mother, living with my mom. She calls me into her room. It's like 10, 10 30 at night.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and she goes, you gotta watch this. And it was Modern Times by Charlie Chaplin, which I didn't know it was modern times at the time. It was just funny. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and I, she goes, you have to watch this. It's really important. And I was like, okay. So I like get in her bed and we were watching the movie and stuff. And, uh, my four-year-old brain latched onto this is important. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but why is it important? Is it important because it's a movie or because it's a product of its time, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I took it that, oh, film is really important. So after that night film became this thing that was really important to me. I, you know, she, uh, she, fed me a steady diet of john ford movies howard hawks you know my favorite movie until i was 10 was bringing a baby and like uh so like it was always a huge part of our life she was a major cinephile for anything that was like pre-1960s hollywood Mm -hmm. so i knew i had all those she had an encyclopedic knowledge of that stuff and um because it was important to her at the time it became important to me and when i was like seven or eight i learned that you could actually do you there was a position called director that you were in charge of making how the movie looked and that was when I knew I wanted to become a filmmaker oh wow
0: that's so great that it was your mom that brought you in and then and at that young age that you really latched onto the idea of creating that stuff
1: oh it was just uh it spoke to my it spoke to my bones I I don't know if at a young age that I would have put it like that but as a 36 year old man, I can look back and go, yeah, it was deep in my soul, it just had to come out. <laughs> what, what
0: specifically about, I mean, paint that picture for us, you're four years old, your mom asked you to come in and watch this movie. What, do you remember the, the flickering on the screen and what, what it was that was drawing you in outside of her saying it's important?
1: Um, it, okay, so it was, the, um, it was the, the part where he's going through the gears, mm-hmm. through the machine um that's like the only part i remember um from that time i mean i've seen it a million times now and that part still sticks out to me and it reminded me of the i love lucy show they she did a similar gag um and maybe that's where my reference thing comes from but uh yeah like there's just something magical about um him being able to make you laugh with facial expressions because it's a silent film Mm -hmm. i think it's a silent film god it's been a long time since i've watched it. how he can make you laugh with just his face and gears. You know, there was like no, um, there's no support, like it wasn't like Airplane where there's like joke after joke. It was like this joke builds into other jokes of the same Mm -hmm. caliber, of the same thread.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. There's there's something to be said about Airplane, yes.
1: Oh, of course, yeah. It's one of the great uh, spoof comedies of all time, yeah.
0: I mean, watching that movie is where I developed my drinking problem.
1: <laughs> not police academy four or something oh, no, no 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 no
0: definitely not uh it, i think it was uh my one of my favorite uh, bits from movies of that uh that genre is the uh the full body condom and i, I think it was a uh, was it oh man it was the second leslie nielsen movie with with reggie jackson oh man what, what were those movies called Dan, help a brother naked
1: out. Naked Gun? The Naked Gun, was naked naked gun? gun yes.
0: Yeah. God, my whole brain fart there. I love <laughs> that stuff.
1: That was the only place I knew O.J. Simpson from for a long time was from those movies.
0: I knew him, I knew him as, a, um, as a washed up running back for the 49ers and then I found out, oh, he was one of the best to ever play the game. And then he got on the back of an SUV and I kind of stopped hearing about him after that.
1: I right. He, I didn't know he played for the, I thought he played for the Bills. Oh yeah, this yeah. Is how much he know
0: about He got drafted by the Bills, and then they didn't want oh. him, and he went to San Francisco. And I think he had a, a year or two of decent production, but he wasn't the same guy, or at least he wasn't given the opportunities to do wow. so. Yeah, and then he, right. you know he, he got a got a roommate, and they named Cato Kalen, and yeah, they <laughs> the, I think <laughs> they made like YouTube videos together. I think that's why he's famous now. I'm pretty Cato sure. Cato Kalen, small.
2: But not everyone knows. Yeah, literally, been in the last ten years trying to do stand-up comedy in uh, Los Angeles. He 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 makes the rounds. Yeah, he does. He's not. He's he's, wow. I I knew I knew the Trojan fan would have the answer. I don't know that (laughs) because I'm a Trojan fan. I know that because I worked at a little comedy uh, club in Santa Monica ten years ago, and he did a couple of sets there. He introduces himself as uh, as you know, Cato, you know, from from the OJ thing. That's how,
0: he, that's how he does it, huh? Yeah. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> Remember me? I got famous of someone's murder. Now let's yeah. laugh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
0: Definitely. um These are not the gloves, although they do fit really nicely, and I haven't washed them. <laughs> so as yeah. as your love affair with movies started at the age of four, how did it evolve? I mean, you're a 36 year old man. You're not. You're not thinking in terms of the four-year-old boy all the time, are you? With that, like, innocent <laughs> no. quality when you make a project? Like, what goes into
3: it for you?
1: Uh, well, 32 years of experience, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I started making my first movies on 16 millimeter film when I was seven or eight. Um, and, in like, for instance, like, in high school, I didn't have to write book reports. Mm-hmm. I made adaptations. All my teachers were very okay with me doing movie adaptations of books we had read instead of me doing a book report. Um, and I became you know, obsessed with more movies, kung fu movies and black exploitation and stuff. And uh, I, didn't really, I didn't really get into the art stuff until my 20s. And that's really what defines my work now is like art film and stuff. Hmm.
0: What, what do you mean by art films?
1: Oh, um, movies that aren't necessarily like dependent on narrative where they can, they can deviate a little bit, like a Jackson Pollock painting. Um, like, a, like, you know how Jackson Pollock paintings, you look at them, there's no narrative to the picture. It's just this uh, cacophony of chaos, right? And out of this chaos comes something beautiful and something that's purely human. And that always, that always appealed to me, that that, that that was something a machine couldn't, couldn't replicate, that that was something like, because you can go out and take a picture and do a landscape, something as good as a landscape painting,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? Or take someone's photograph and it's, whatever, there was, um, so taking that like principle and trying to put that into film uh, is something that like def- uh, really defines my work, I think. It's taking that um, disparate things, putting them together and making something hopefully beautiful and about the human condition in them.
0: Mm. What is it about the human condition that you hope to um, ex- discover through your work?
1: Uh, no, Okay, so nothing about like, <laughs> nothing about the blanket human condition, it's more about self-discovery. Okay. Um, and so it's my human condition. Your human condition. Um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Like, does. Um, and I think, I, I, Go ahead, keep going.
1: Uh, sorry, I think that like, I think work that I consider bad is stuff that tries to do blanket human condition stuff where it's like, oh, everybody goes through this and everybody goes through that. And not everybody will. And not everybody will experience it the same way. Mm-hmm. But the, But I can show you how I went through grief. I can show you how I went through happiness i can show you what i felt the first time i heard my daughter's heartbeat you know and if that resonates with you awesome if it doesn't it doesn't but that's my art has to stand on 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 me uh rather than me trying to push that off onto someone else
0: absolutely is there a project where you feel you've been, you've been captured that aspect of your process the best thus far
1: um my feature films uh i think i've got them both um you know the the first i won't get into what the first one's about i'd like to be more david lynchian about uh, i'm not gonna tell you but it's um about me letting go you mm-hmm. know um you know masked and these other things about lobotomies and what is emotion what is words you know those things um but it 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 boils down to me letting go of something i needed to let go of yeah. and the second film is about uh me overcoming my grief of my mom when she died um yes i changed the film to a daughter um but that's because we expect to outlive our parents and we do not expect to outlive our children so for a dramatic punch it's it's far more um advantageous to do a child than a parent yeah um but just how that like um that profound grief like how it changes your reality for a while you know and for me in cinema that was easy to explore um because you can break the fourth wall you can be meta you can pop them out of the movie and have them talk to me as the director as the writer you know um there's a lot of things like that that I was able to to do that i th- the, like going into it i'm writing it going this is going to be really therapeutic and help and it doesn't it's just it's just an outlet for that it doesn't really help you process it
0: mm-hmm. well, who were some of your influences when you were trying to
1: find your voice oh um all right I gravitate to really obscure stuff. Um, Jibril Diop Mambeti, who's this African filmmaker, um, which one of the things his films themselves do not speak to me, but his struggle to make them. He's like finding chunks of 35 millimeter photography film and shoving them into a camera and making a film out of like scraps and um he had no money he's in senegal it's not like a developed country it doesn't have a film program at all a developed film program anything
3: mm-hmm.
1: um and he's making this wonderfully touching film about a teenage couple who wants to leave senegal to go to france and that inspires me that if someone can overcome like literal physical barriers like that to make a film then mm-hmm. i can overcome emotional barriers to film a movie you know um Andrey Tarkovsky, I think, is usually the like the the fallback of mo- most directors, um, but his poetics uh, resonate really deeply with me. Um, a lot of it is uh, about growing up in Russia and World War II, and you know the, the the birthing of the 20th century is defined by war and fa- and pestilence, which they had the Spanish flu like right around the, what it was in 1920, mm-hmm. and how much of the 20th century is defined by violence. And he explores that in this uh beautifully poetic way um some of those beautiful films i've ever seen are his and the way he'll juxtapose like violence and beauty or transcendence because he has a lot of science fiction movies too um and beauty is just like uh something i want to i want to reach that point at some point you know Mm -hmm. being able to take you know quantum mechanics and anthropology and art mash them together and hopefully it works you know
0: how much time do you spend, um, rep, you know, doing your research for a given project? I mean, I would assume. I mean, some of the stuff that I've been able to work with you on that you've created. I mean, they're they're incredibly dense, and if you're not prepared to do the work, there's like, you're you're not you're not going to be close enough to even scratching beneath like
1: scratching the surface. So. Well, I certainly hope that it challenges you as an actor too. Absolutely. Like, okay, because I I don't want to just be like a Tarantino type where it's just references for reference sake. Um, a lot of the references that I put in mean a lot to me, yeah. you know. Um in uh, in the Phantom of the Opera play that's this Sunday, um, there's a part where Curtis is describing what genius is and he uses Gordon Liu, um the Kung Fu movie star. And Steve Ditko, who's a comic book writer, you know, and those, yeah. those mean something to me. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I answered your question. Sorry. No,
0: <laughs> how no. much,
1: how much time does it take to research? Yeah. Um, at least how much
0: time do you put into it? Are you constantly researching even as you're working on the
1: project? I am or always it, I researching don't write something, something. I
0: know what I'm doing.
1: Um, okay, so there's it's two different things. Okay. Um, writing my scripts is it comes when it comes. The muse will happen and come and whisper when it needs to come and whisper. Um, and I can't force that. I'm not, um, I'm not like Luke, where, Luke Sorge who writes every day, good, bad and different. He just writes. I don't do that. I write in spurts where I'll not write for three months and I'll come back and write 30 pages in a night. Mm-hmm. And then I don't write again for three months. Um, or like with the uh, the fourteen plays, right? I got the the concept that night. I wrote the play that night, mm-hmm. and then I I can't write anything for like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but the research part of it, I'm always uh, researching it, partly because I'm trying to enrich myself as a person. So I like I want to read about cellular mitosis or about. Um, Migratory patterns of Galapagos blue-footed boobies, or um, or the Mar- or the Mardujara, or the um, the ayahuasca ceremony from the Yanomamo. Always reading about yeah. bizarre things like that. One because I think it's interesting, and hopefully it, it enriches me intellectually. But it it's also then uh, filters into my work. So I don't necessarily research for any specific project. Mm-hmm. Um, I hopefully have enough in the bank that I can go, okay, like, these are the strings and I can plug those in.
0: Nice. So as you're just, as you said, trying to grow as a person, you you pick up a book like, oh, that sounds interesting. Oh, right. I, want to do this. I want to spend some time with this today. And over the course, you just, as you said, build up the bank.
1: Yeah. And that's why I smoke so much, so many cigars, because I always have a cigar while I'm doing it. It helps internalize it.
0: Nice. <laughs> but as you said, it is very Pavlovian. You said it, and it just it just kind of becomes natural at that point.
1: It does, yeah. It started out with, uh, I wanted to be like Ernest Hemingway, where I wanted to drink scotch and smoke cigars and write really dense work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, never got to the Hemingway level of writing or smoking scotch, but I definitely got there on the cigars part, so. Yet. Yeah. yeah, Yet. Yet. I have life goals. <laughs> You're not dead yet. <laughs> right.
0: We're still out there trying to, we were still out
1: there just trying to live. You, right? And isn't that, there's such a beauty to that, you know, um, that as a human being and as a father, I try to explore, that it's just beautiful to be alive. Um, and hopefully that translates into my work. I know my work is typically dark, but there's always like an element of, of life that you're just, that it's just good to be alive, even though there's bad stuff happening. Well,
0: I think one of the things I discovered um, when we did the, um, the 14 plays for quarantine days um the piece that i did that you'd written one of the things i liked about it was the gallows humor aspect of it i've I'm, I'm a man that's worked in hospice care i've worked in one of the toughest you know living and schooling communities in denver right and, you know there there are some harsh realities that a, a person in those environments will face every day and mm-hmm. you are you are doing yourself a disservice if you're not trying to find humor in it
1: you lose your humanity. Yeah, I mean, you it become, yeah. It you're
0: belittling it. You're trying to. It's a better. It's an easier way for me to process this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, as long as you don't like hold on to it in terms of it becoming a belief and structuring other beliefs around that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're. It's. It's like the cigar. It's. It's like yoga. At that point, it's mm-hmm. a release. I, I I can have this frustration. I'm gonna spit it out a joke and that's gonna help it go away. And yeah. through the course of specifically that play, it was like, yeah, very heavy. A man isolated, um, desperate to see his mother, but really shouldn't because it's, you gotta be smart at the time that we were doing this and you still need to be smart. Oh yeah. But now how do, then you're confronted by a deity that you never fully gave freedom <laughs> to existing. Right. And now you gotta you gotta fucking deal with it. And how am I gonna deal with it? Like I'm gonna be I, I know me personally. I love making jokes at the wrong time. I just made a gaffe about boobies. I mean, <laughs> yeah.
1: how can you not when blue footed boobies are brought up? Seriously. Right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. who picked those names like Titmouse and the, the <laughs> boobies and stuff? Who picked those?
0: <laughs> they doing like a schoolgirl every time I say the word Titmouse. Simpsons reference. Bam. There you
3: go.
0: <laughs> so. I had this thought while we were talking and then of course I derailed myself. I got talking about the blue-footed boobies.
1: I derail myself all the time, don't even worry about it.
0: Hmm.
1: Gallows humor. Yeah. How important
0: for you is that? A, is that a device that you use or is that just something that comes
1: naturally? Uh, in my life or in my writing? In the work, per se. Um, it comes really naturally because like you said, um. When you're dealing with dark stuff, you, you have to have that release, you know, that humor in it. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of it, I think, comes from James Joyce for me and Ezra Pound, um, where they were able to find jokes in like, well, not James Joyce. I mean, his stuff's not like dark, but um, they were able to find humor in uh, the human comedy. And part of the human comedy is tragedy you know? And so being able to balance that with comedy, I think is incredibly important yeah. and it does come pretty naturally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, well, it's a reference I've made a couple of times on the podcast and you're talking about the the human comedy being so intertwined with tragedy. It's uh, one of my favorite Kiss lines is this is why we, we laugh at death and cry at births.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, you're, you're coming into something that ain't easy kid. And when right? you lie on your terms, you won.
1: Oh, yeah. And like, well, and especially right now, I think we need gallows humor. There's a lot of death going around, you know, and no centralized leadership. Like, everybody's very anxious about what's going on and stuff. What are you and talking about? there's
0: centralized leadership.
1: Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes govern- like gubernatorial, I guess, <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah anything beyond that uh no those
0: those those protesters out in front of walmart though they seem pretty well organized
1: (laughs) oh my god i was in castle rock the day that the that that, on mother's day when all those idiots were in that that store without their masks on and stuff Mm -hmm. uh because linda it was it was mother's day so i'm like let's go for a drive you know and she wanted to get a sandwich at a drive-through place and no one in castle rock was wearing um was wearing masks i'm like dude you guys are insane like even if you don't die it is terrible. You, you like I have a couple of Facebook friends who've had it for like 72 days, you know, just hold up in bed. Like it's not uh it's not a cold. It's it's a thing.
0: It'll yeah, you know uh, it, the reports are not are not easy to swallow.
1: Mm-mm.
3: Yeah,
0: the fact checking on that. It's I mean, let's let's not let's not derail ourselves with the, with the um that is COVID. No, no, don't don't apologize. I I steered us there. Um to make a joke about uh, centralized leadership. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you and I are on the same page about centralized leadership, and yeah, we'll just yeah, talk small about man. It. Fuck that guy. I know, right? Ugh. So you had made a
0: you had made a comment about uh, Tarantino references for reference sake. Mm-hmm. When you're encountered with a moment where the reference isn't making sense to. Like, do you first of all are you ever encountered with the moment where you're like oh I really love that reference and then you start shooting and you go like wait a second is that why is that there
1: all like, the time
3: all the
0: time all the
1: time yeah especially it happens a lot when I am uh when I'm reading a certain author and I'll be writing at the same time I'm like oh that Murakami line was great I'm gonna put this Murakami line in here somewhere uh, I can't it's not appropriate um and those are the moments where you have to put your ego aside and do what's right for the project rather than what's right for you sometimes
0: yeah it's yeah that's a that's a great point it, it's your if it if it doesn't fit if it doesn't you know help push the thing forward it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. yeah
1: well um, it's the same with it's the same with acting like you could have like something personal going on in your day and you could try to inject that into your performance that night at rehearsal or the the performance or whatever, but it may not work. And if it doesn't work, you literally, you have to like jettison your ego for the project. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, um, there's a certain like righteousness to that, I guess is doing it for the art rather than for yourself.
0: Totally, absolutely. Uh, a question that just come to mind, we're talking about ego here. One of the things that I know I've struggled with, especially early in my career is um, that voice in my head that uh, won't let me hear anyone else's opinion. on a a subject, and I I think part of that comes from me trying to uh, protect and cultivate who I was gonna become as a, you know, only child. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you find only child, single parent, same situation as me, do you find that that, you know, how that infused your growth as an artist and where you found your challenges from an ego perspective?
1: Um, Yeah, Uh, it, it especially came from Okay, so it came from film school. It was when I first encountered it. Mm. Um, and going into film school, you know, I had what I considered an encyclopedic knowledge of film. Now I realize that I did not know that much about film. <laughs> but uh, getting uh, getting critique from people who I thought l- knew less than me drove me nuts. Um, and and I, I, you know, they go home and play video games. I'm going home and watching movies. And I'm always like, "What? Why are you critiquing me?" You know, blah blah blah. It was, um, it was a soul-searching experience. But then, um, I don't know. There came a point where uh, you just realize you can't please everyone.
3: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, you have to you have to do what you can for yourself, um, which sounds antithetical to doing it for the project. But you have to do what you can for yourself, and uh, the rest be damned, I guess, kind of. You know. Um, critique, uh, you'll find the people who are right to critique you, who you, re- who you respect, who you like, who you like their work, you know, and um, those are the critiques that I definitely take seriously. Definitely.
0: At that yeah. stage when you were in school, did you, did you take those initial, you know, moments of constructive feedback <laughs> with, did you take it personally? I know that's where it started with me a lot of the time when I was yeah. young, it was well, we well yeah, it,
1: it absolutely felt right. It's it totally felt personal. It's uh, you're putting your heart out there. You know, you're you're, um, you're cutting your heart out. You're putting it on a table in a different way from acting. um But you're saying this is a film I made. I'm really passionate about it, and you're gonna you're gonna crap on it like, oh, uh, you know, you're attacking me because this is my baby, you yeah. know. And um that took a while to jettison. I think.
0: It does. Does that come with? I mean, so you sir setting out to do things for yourself in light of what you think speaks to you, finding other voices that you respect and, 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 and can listen to, does there a balance you strike with, you know, dealing with the, the constructive feedback from one side to what you are trying to create, or is it just, no, I'm leaning mm-hmm. into my stuff and I'm going to let the people who are drawn to me come.
1: Uh, the second one the second. I have, to- like if you if you worry too much about what everybody thinks, um, you get nothing done, you know. Um, and then maybe this is because I'm a director and not an actor at all. Um, but I feel that there has to be a strong centralized voice, a strong centralized vision, mm. um, and that has that it, can, it can't be uncompromising, but it has to be like seventy five percent uncompromising. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, like. I mean, I've gotten bad reviews on stuff and you just have to go, well, okay, they didn't like it and that's okay. My work's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah. No, Nobody's work is for everybody, you know? And um, that part was hard to let go to that ego part of my work will be, you know, transcendent to everyone. and Not everybody does that and that's okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it, when we're talking about like the human condition, one of the things that we're also talking about is individuality. And,
1: and, Absolutely. And
0: to what what works for tom house is not going to necessarily work for sam gilstrap and Mm -mm. there can be common ground that is found there but as long as there's like an understanding and a respect of like all right tom's gonna do him i'm gonna do me and uh we're gonna do so positively without any yes
1: yeah that is one of the things i love about all the actors i found in this city um the acting talent here is so deep like if it was a basketball team this is like Uh, the Warriors from a few years ago, just this deep, ridiculously deep team. Um, And every single actor I've worked with has been like, (sighs) so generous with their, like, you know, giving everything into it. And also um, allows me to back off and just say, you have to do it your way, you know?
0: Yeah. So are you Steve Kerr or Mark Jackson
1: in this? I'd rather be Steve Kerr. <laughs> that sounds about
0: right. You got the keys. You got the keys to the Ferrari. After it was, half-
1: <laughs> I would like to. I would like to. Uh, Mark Jackson bothers me. The whole iguadala thing. I've never let that go.
0: Oh man, hand down, man down. Too much airspace. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let, uh, let him let him stick to calling plays. Sure. But using
1: that like religious thing to like garner like this like rabid support he got from his players apparently using like religion to do that i thought was a brilliant turn he's just a terrible person <laughs> you, gotta find, you gotta find things that uh i mean you gotta
0: find the right way to motivate people i mean right but if you encounter something like that's one of the things you can't you gotta find the ways to motivate people but you can't find that one thing and then let it become divisive and divisionary. Yeah. right use of that word um against other people who might not necessarily buy into that there's another way to bring that person back into the fold you know and have them have them support your vision and try and bust their ass for you you're not going to get there be like oh you're you don't you don't feel the same way i do about the the spaghetti monster
1: all right (laughs) (laughs) um that's that's actually liberating when you can hand it off you know and it becomes ours and not mine anymore um, that's one of my favorite moments af- at casting is to give the script out and be like, this character is yours now. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're going to grow it together. But at some point, like I take my hands off the bike and you go, you know, and that's, Oh, seriously, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of directing actors is just to watch them explore, watch them like devise what it is. This character is. And it's completely different than what I thought it was. Was that hard for you in the beginning, handing it off to actors? No, no, because the first like real actor I worked with was Luke Sorgi. And he was uh we bonded, I think, really quickly over basketball and stand-up comedy and stuff. And um no, I like I trusted him entirely. Um I, I trust all my actors really. There's something about like there's something about what you guys do that mystifies me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like uh in awe of it. And I and because of that, no, I just automatically trust you. It's probably an, a, a hum... Appeal to authority where you guys have authority over your, over your medium, and it's just a, it's beautiful to watch. <laughs> so yeah, I totally trust it. Nice.
0: Well, that's interesting to hear. I would, I mean, as you had said, like them being those those pieces you've created, those are your children, and the personality right. which you you kind of approached, you know, that that time as a student in film school, like it's good that when you got to that place where you're putting that stuff out there, you were trusting them to create. Um, that's one of the things that you know always kind of concerns me when I have when I write a project we're like doing a nice a fun, you know, rehearsal process for some derived pieces or sorry, devised pieces.
1: <laughs> From the brain.
0: Yeah. I'm uh, you know, it's, it's 9.55. <laughs> I, I I took a rock star to be to be up for this. <laughs> I'm usually pretty uh I'm pretty sweepy by like 5 p.m. And it's just like, all right, push through to the time to go to bed. So oh, sorry.
1: You're doing a great so, so job. I
0: apologize. Though. I would <laughs> anyway. Now I'm doing something constructive about it. <laughs> to just sitting there and uh, you know trying to take Michigan to the national ta- championship one last time. <laughs> I'm going to Florida, I'm going to Colorado State after this. Everybody, Coach Sam Gilstrap is going to leave the uh, Michigan Wolver Michigan Wolverines and and go home. He's gonna he's gonna bring a championship to Fort Collins. That's for damn. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. As yes. I'm creating pieces for this devised piece, it, 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 and it's, and it it's you know it, it's these fun workshop opportunities. You're in a you're in a positive environment. There is some safety there. There's some comfort there with the people in the room. You trust them. They're smart. They're talented artists, and mm-hmm. and that helps when you when you're surrounded by people like that. And you already know that going in. If I were like taking something I'd honed, spent you know months, or years, however long it takes for you an example to create a script and then present that to a group that maybe you're not in charge of casting on. I mean, I think you've been, you've been in charge of casting in all of your pieces. Yes. I've
1: been, I've been very lucky to have creative control over everything. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and there are some times though, when the, when the, art, the writer gets to hand it off to a producer and the director and they go like, okay, we got it from here.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I direct with the stuff I write. Cause it's, mm-hmm. um, it's like knowing your lanes right and I know my lane I know I can write it and I can get the piece where I need to get it to Mm -hmm. Um, and the actors know their lanes right Um, and taking anything out of my lane out of my vehicle that's in that lane like writing or directing or something would be somewhat maddening Um, like not like I wouldn't be angry it would just be I would feel insane about it you know and worried and Hope that it's okay. Would you be, I mean,
0: where, where does the career go for you? Where, what are you, what are you hoping to do? Are you doing, are you doing it as we speak? This is, or which is absolutely a great thing to be doing. Or are you like, no, I'm going, I want Hollywood. I want Sundance. I want.
1: No, I don't want that. Um, That's been laid out for me a couple of times. And I don't, want to uh be a small fish in a big pond where i can like be here and have creative control over everything I, I want you know um no professionally i work on scripts so it's not i don't know it's pretty easy and not a not a huge deal
3: yeah you see
0: you say you work on scripts so you're like a script doctor
1: i am technically not allowed to talk about any of this part
0: All can right. you cut this out no, yeah
1: i'm sorry <laughs> it's room no, Cube. No. sorry no, sorry cubes are safe word. We stopped. All right. There's a lot of NDAs and stuff. Sorry. And I'm very unclear on what I can and cannot share.
0: That's fine. So we're just to be clear here. Did we say any names or anything we need to cut? Mm -mm. All right, fantastic. We're gonna keep going.
1: Am I doing all right so far? Did you do i rambling too much? A plus A plus right. Okay. Okay. I'm trusting you. You're director now. If anyone's
2: (laughs) rambling, it's Sam. Don't you worry. Yeah, yeah. no, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm cracking up over here. This is a great conversation. No,
0: no, Dan is absolutely right. If anyone is rambling, it is me. It is, it is my prerogative to
1: do. I feel like I've spoken so much, but sorry. No,
0: no, trust me. I, it's good. This is good stuff. Okay. All right. Stay with me. Stay with me. Okay.
1: Oh, I'm in, dude. I'm in all the way. Good.
0: So, where was I? Hmm. Basketball. Who are your top four teams of all time?
1: Oh, all time. Oh, my heart wants to say, like, mid-90s jazz, but I can't abide Carl Malone. I yeah. love John Stockton so much, but Malone is just so. Uh, Showtime Lakers, probably. Um, Akeem Olajuwon Hawks. Um, David Hawks. Robinson. Rockets. Rockets, sorry. You're sorry. Um, Tim Robinson. Uh, David Robinson, right? David Spurs? Bruce, yeah. Yep. Duncan, um,
3: rookie?
1: yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, I really like the Nuggets right now a lot. Jamal Murray is obviously Jokic is Jokic, but Murray is. He's going to be great, I think.
0: I certainly hope so. That, I that, do that, too. When we get back to the basketball court, that boy better start knocking down threes more consistently.
1: <laughs> he's going to be alright. Stop,
0: stop <laughs> using Instagram live, Jamal. Stop using Instagram live.
1: Well, take, take, right, that whole thing. Okay, take take my, like, oh, he's going to be all right with a grain of salt because I thought Aaron Aflalo was going to be one of the greatest nuggets of all time.
0: You were not alone. I loved Aaron Aflalo. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, oh, I like this guy. Steady yeah. defense, threes. The
1: and defense, he was, yes.
0: He was He was. essentially um, a better version of um, the Andre Iguodala
1: that we had. And I liked him. He was, yeah. I did, I did for that year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who else was a great – uh defender which i was really sad they got rid of was evan fournier of all people
0: yeah yeah there was there was a period of time where i thought evan fournier was gonna be the future at, at the point guard position and uh, for
1: real he when in that uh warrior series uh before iggy left fournier was the only one holding uh curry to under 50 percent like he was holding him down and but they then they kept putting andre miller on him and i'm like Get out of here andre miller's old he can't cover stephen curry dude yeah
0: andre andre miller man he's uh he's one of those like, one of those guys like i he reminded me a lot of brian stiff from the older nuggets teams and oh yeah and i really like brian stiff but there were so many things that i found andre just you know kind of falling short on
1: i don't know if i blame andre miller so much as i blame george Karl. Like yeah, he doesn't trust the lot young lot. guys, and like Miller's old, so he's going to put him in because he trusts him. You know, yeah, he's
0: definitely he, he was he was giving him way too many minutes, especially in crunch time. Sorry, way to too here, many. You're a cool dude, but way too
1: many. Yeah. Minutes. <laughs> way too many. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any uh, basketball movies you're working on?
1: No, I don't. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's something I don't know enough about to dive into. Yeah. Uh, but I would like to put some basketball references probably in the next one. Who knows?
0: Put something about the uh, the two three zone or the uh, let's see oh man I don't know step back threes and <laughs> James Harden <laughs> the free throw line something
1: like that <laughs> that'd be awesome yeah maybe work it into uh, some musical theory that I'm working on for the next for the yeah, next yeah. script Theater? musical theory oh. um, taking like uh, so indie music is all in seven time mm-hmm. and um, it sounds so weird because everything in Western music's 4-4, four, four, right? And you listen to Indian tabla music and it's all in seven. So it sounds like there's an extra note. Yeah. And um, I'm like, I want to work that, um, those phrasings into my next script. The one that I'm working on now, it has a lot of seven-four phrasings or seven-eight and stuff and how it's like worded and overplayed with each other.
3: Oh, wow. That's cool. What,
1: what drew you
0: into that?
1: Oh, music. I used to be a drummer. I was in a punk band in my early twenties. We used to play around. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Name of the band was Puke Mop. Puke Mop? Yeah. As in the mop that cleans up the puke? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We were. I was the drummer, and huh? That's a great punk band name. It was amazing, and uh, I used to show up in Van Halen shirts because I was a huge Van Halen fan at the time, and our guitar player was a hippie, and. Most people were pretty cool th- about it. Actually, you know how Three Kings Tavern is getting closed down, right? Yeah, it rests- um yeah. we played there three times, and this is not at Three Kings Tavern now. We played there three times. It was horrible. It was um, all three times we played with skinhead bands and it was fucking horrendous. Yeah. I don't know if people knew they were skinhead bands, but I was like, they get up there and they start doing their thing and we're like, let's get the fuck out of here. This is crazy. That was a
0: racial epithet. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's, Let's go. Stick- drum my drums. Yeah. Do we get the check? Can we go now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was absurd though. We were in a punk band and I used to have a full double bass drum set with like 30 pieces. Like I was Neil Peart in a in a in a punk band. Tell me you still you still drum. Uh occasionally I do, yeah. Yeah. You got it on the house? Oh yeah. It's something like that's not like that's a a virtuoso thing like I don't work at it I just you know uh, I'm okay at it um I did when I when we were because we were on a label and everything like when when it started to become somewhat professionally I took it very seriously and started like working in like numerology into my polyrhythms and stuff like that um but yeah I mean that still influences me a bit now like musical theory and stuff
0: Dude, you're we're we're at the end of this podcast. We're gonna we're gonna share a link and code to some of your movies, which is an awesome thing that you get to do for us. Yes. But, uh, I also want a link to the band.
1: Give us a song. <laughs> um, I would have I'd have to go inside to my computer. I could send you some MP3s if you want.
0: Oh man, yeah. We got it. When when we post this um post this on Facebook, just send us a little link. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll it's put on YouTube. It's not on Spotify or anything like that, but I'll send you what I can. All
0: right, for that'd, sure, that'd be great. I mean, the, the fans—that's—that's like, that's huge. Oh, <laughs> I'm this—I'm this really talented director. I was also in a punk band. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had some good times. Yeah,
0: nice.
1: Our first show at the Bluebird—the um, opener for us was this like 13-year-old kids. We picked them because they were—they were called Molotov Cockfight. They were this great band, and they used to do choking cover, choking victim covers, and they were like. 12.
0: Choking victim is a band, yes.
1: Yeah, ch- okay. dude, dude. Okay, now that like with the politics going on, check out Choking Victim. It'll it'll scratch some political itches. All right, for then. real. Um, but they used to do a lot of choking victim covers, so we're like, come play with us at the Bluebird, mm-hmm. and uh, the lead singer ended up getting naked. And we almost got sued. They shut down the show. We were banned from the bluebird for a long time. Like oh man. Yeah, we lived the punk rock life, man. Well, and in the Mile High City. I know. Well, and to be fair, now that it's like outside of statute of limitations, we were the one who bought them the booze. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. I mean it was somewhat I take it they were of age. Yeah. Oh, totally of age. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah,
0: on all sides.
1: I'm someone's parent now. I never did terrible things like that. No, absolutely <laughs> No, it wasn't. It, wasn't, it was I mean, they, they just being thirst.
0: friends.
1: Yeah, I, I was giving them water, now, clear, I, stinky water. Yeah.
0: yeah, they they had the flask hidden on them. I don't know. <laughs> at me. I mean, seriously, if you are a punk band, you've got to, you've got to right? you seem like the the puke mop. You definitely are bringing in your own hooch. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the mark- you expect trash.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh,
0: a watered down Bud Light. No, thank you. I've got um, Everclear in a camel bag.
1: <laughs> you know um, what's funny about that is the guitar player for that band is now a physicist. For puke mop. Yeah, yeah. We get we we <laughs> we <laughs> we get together. We relive the glory days, and then we talk about like he's a family now too. And we talk about you know. Doing the puke mop thing, and then like, oh yeah, you know, now we have kids and blah blah blah. Like, yeah, that yeah, was the whole thing.
0: Physics for you, huh? And then he hits you with like a physics bomb.
1: Oh, physics doesn't bother me. Like, I understand it enough to grunt at the drawings on the wall, but I don't understand the actual equations. That's that's his thing.
0: After um, I learned about photosynthesis. I was like,
1: okay, I'm done. But if you learn about it, it can influence your acting, right? This idea of change from outside right, that the sun changes you into what you already have inside of you. It's a beautiful metaphor.
0: Yeah, but then I could also, I can also read spiritualistic
1: poetry. That's true, that's true. But what's funny is like, a lot of artists shy away from- (laughs) Horafil. A lot of artists shy away from like, math and science and stuff, and they're so, math, science, philosophy, art, any of the big schools of thought, they're all saying the same thing. They're just using a slightly different language. And once you can, like, crack what they're trying to say, it it can influence your work in, like, profoundly interesting ways. Like all my actors, I have them read uh, Critique of Pure Reason. Mm -hmm. It's one of the greatest acting books of all time if you approach it as an acting book. Mm -hmm. Um, And Wittgenstein's Logico Philosophicus Tractatus, which is another, I think, the definitive acting book. You know, so much better than Grotowski and Meyerhold. Read Wittgenstein and Kant.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay
0: i'm what a, i'm what you would call a modern day intellectual <laughs> i make simpsons references and uh i uh i riff about being an old man driving my car you're going too slow <laughs> the way.
1: well you're certainly more plugged into the pop culture zeitgeist than i am i think
0: well, I mean, I think it's 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 incumbent upon me to stay connected to that zeitgeist because it's I mean, I'm surrounded by kids all the time. I have to know That's who Juice World right. is. hmm I need to know who Juice World is. I need to know that Extensiation passed they committed suicide. Like I need to know these things and then I need to know their music because they're gonna come to me and I mean, shoot, when that when um passed away, this is a this is a rapper and R and B singer.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, You're making me feel really old right now
0: yeah it all happened right before the start of the school year and I like or I should say early in the school year and I was like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get hit with this like there are gonna be kids that are gonna come in and they're gonna be they're they're they will they will feel this like I felt Robin Williams and they will they will want to talk to me about you know why did he do it he was so amazing and and that would that happened it was like a week of like oh man he was so good you don't even know you don't even
1: know I don't know why this happened. I mean like, well,
0: Robin Williams still had many gifts to share with us, but his time yeah. was gone.
1: Depression okay. does not care about how successful or how funny or how good you are at anything. No. You know.
0: Definitely not. I mean we're all, I mean for for a man who's you know been a depressed person a lot throughout his life and
3: it, mm-hmm.
0: it's like I I liken it to being an alcoholic. Like you're always in recovery.
1: That is a beautiful way of putting it. Seriously,
0: because like you'll you'll have a, a day, a moment. You might get lucky and string months to years together of being pretty on top of it, and then. But that monkey's
1: thing. always on your back.
0: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and it's and, and just no matter like I mean for me like I've I, I've I have there I've had a therapist. I would love to start seeing one again when I can you know sit inside a room with them as I I I couldn't do therapy over, over Zoom. That's for damn sure.
1: Um, mine's trying to make me do it over zoom i'm like it's through a screen that's so it's so impersonal you know
3: yeah well yeah. it yeah yeah that's,
0: that, <laughs>
1: that's,
0: that's no, like, I'm, I'm gonna be i'm gonna be way more comfortable here in my house and like, i think for me is like the point is i need to be uncomfortable to start talking about the stuff that i need to fix or not fix but come to grips with
1: right yeah it's you know um so like linda my wife has been like you can direct over a screen you can do your therapy over a screen
3: mm-hmm. and i'm like
1: yeah yeah because i'm very huggy with my directors like i like to hug them Like, i fucking love you you're doing such a good job and um this is killing me the zoom directing is killing me um and so she's like but you can do that you can do the online therapy and i'm like oh, yeah i guess i could i probably should anyway to get personal yeah there you go <laughs>
0: But I think I mean, yeah. I got I got to stay on the pulse as best I can, so the kids don't you know make fun of me too bad. I got called a boomer earlier this year by a what? Kid. Yeah, I did. He was like in art class, and he came up with this really beautiful picture that said, <laughs> "Yeah, I got done in art class today. That I made this for you." And he hands it to me. I'm like, "You're gonna run an extra lap today in practice." I hope you understand.
1: Oh my gosh, dude. I okay, like I have to stay up on Mo Willems and stuff for my daughter. Nice. Like I can't. I have not had to do the music part yet at all. Cool. Um, yeah, which is nice. She's way into like French pop right now. That's a that's like stuff that I've gotten into. Like like sixties Yee, Yee and stuff. Like she loves that. And Wu Tang Clan, MF Doom. She loves she loves that. Um,
0: to fuck with?
1: Uh, no, it's not. And she and I think she rock him. She loves rock like hard. Um, his beats will come on. She goes, this is Ham. I love this. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, someday, honey, though, you're going to get into your own music and I promise I will try to listen to it and not call it noise and mm-hmm. do all that. I will because I'm, I'm an old man. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, you're like way plugged in. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you
1: got it. Does it keep you young? Does it keep you feeling young or does it make you feel old all the time?
0: Not at all. I'm, 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 I'm 36. My joints creak. I mean, I've blown out my knee twice. The last time finally took. There's definitely I mean, there's there was a if I if I had a good insurance plan when I did it, I probably would have had surgery, and I might I might run a little better and be able to cut on a dime. Still, probably not. We'll see. I mean,
3: uh,
0: but I mean, so- it, I, what keeps me young? What keeps me young is that I'm I'm just so immature.
1: <laughs> that's awesome i, I feel you me. on the joints uh, when it's about to rain my knee hurts and i'm like oh it's gonna rain my bursitis is acting up
0: <laughs> i haven't gotten that bad yet old man
1: we're the same age
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you you telling me that makes me feel a whole hell of a lot better
1: oh yeah i mean you're you're doing all right yeah
0: I mean, the only thing that makes me look old is this beard
1: this, this dude. Beard. It's so distinguished, though. You are like, you need an ascot, and you are like older gentlemen. Seriously. I'll, I'll,
0: uh, let me, I'll email courtesy if I can't get that ascot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How many ascots does he have? I have three if you need one.
0: Well, he has at least one. Um, what, okay. me, I got I to, gotta, listen, fashion's the goddamn motherfucker, okay? I have mm-hmm. to be able to go in, and I got to try it on. I got to know what it is that I'm putting on me. I mean, yeah, I'm very simple today. I've got my I've got my black long sleeve t-shirt. I've got my sexy bright orange pants here. These shorts. ooh, yeah, I mean, that's,
1: that's video game playing stuff.
0: oh no, this is this is going out. this is these are these are the action shorts oh. <laughs> I pull that, that reference. but yeah, no, these are. <laughs> you go not, you, you're trying to be seen i want to i want to stop traffic in these things i want to i want people to go into one of those anime induced comas
1: i'm you know i'm sure when you go out you stop traffic anyway you're a beautiful dude well, i'm real. also
0: a bad driver so that oh
1: that helps that helps a lot <laughs> yeah i don't, don't oh. like hear the crosswalk rules <laughs> who's that bad driver oh he's some beautiful guy i'm okay with that
0: that's right yeah. he sounds like very white <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so should i give out the code now for the movies i guess because i wanted to just, just embed it randomly oh no no somewhere we're, we're gonna keep it going
0: oh okay cool we're saving that i want i want the i want the people at home to get it i want
1: them to earn it oh okay okay cool all right I think i was gonna embed the- it randomly somewhere so they have to listen to the whole thing but oh, you're yeah. totally
0: right absolutely um, sorry about that stage in the podcast where i start asking rapid fire questions are you ready
1: oh no we're already done i love talking to you oh, yeah man, great time yeah well i, I mean know.
0: like i said this is rapid fire questions i'm just asking them fast you know we can talk man all you right the answer Let's we're see. gonna riff it's yes and that's what a podcast this is, is
1: this from. is why you let me should have sent you a cigar then you would have had to talk to me for two and a half hours so it would have been
0: awesome. if i could smoke inside i
1: definitely would have
0: <laughs> lighting outside so it's a whole thing <laughs>
1: All right. Rapid fire questions. Okay.
0: All right. Rapid fire questions. Um, Where do you get your news from?
1: Mm. Uh, I know it's technically considered social media and it's terrible to say that, um, but the news subreddit. um, So it becomes like a bevy of different sources. Mm -hmm. Um, But then independently I'll check like Al Jazeera, which I like quite a bit um, and Reuters um, and the Associated Press um i gotta check reuters i think they have good stuff there yeah but al jazeera is the jam for real they're like yeah
0: i like them and it's really cool when they have i mean they're quote unquote human interest pieces that take place here in america like those things they're raw they yeah objective and
1: it's great and i think that we need that because um i feel like in certain aspects we're becoming quote-unquote third world country you know I know we're not but like the dictator the wannabe dictator you know all that stuff I'm like dude like it's it could happen you know and the and having reporting like Al Jazeera like helps put things in perspective for me a lot
0: I think one of the things in regards to what you just said I think we need to look at it like it has happened and we need to be able we need to be prepared to go out and vote hopefully we can get some mailing mail-in balance none of this mm-hmm. going out there and risking stuff yeah don't have to i mean i'm gonna keep my 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 doom and gloom um pro- prognostication to myself but i would love it if we could if we could all all get out and vote this son of a bitch out
1: are you anxious about it i'm so anxious about november i can't be oh when she okay when when trump won that night um I like this is like this um, is why um, I don't hang know,
0: out Rubik's cube. We don't say his name here.
1: Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Unless, so wait, unless
0: you, unless you voted for him and then we can have a conversation.
1: about. It's actually the reason
2: not. why this is episode 51 and not 50.
1: I am aware that I'm technically episode 50. I know that's a very, Oh <laughs> um, no, the, the cigar store that you and I met at, mm. I never hang out there because that day I was like, I'm going to save my victory cigar for Hillary. I'm going to save it and not jinx it. Go in as a, you know, as a, uh as a conciliatory cigar and everybody in there celebrating and like Mm -hmm. talking about federalism and constitutionalism and i'm just like god damn it you know yeah Uh,
0: when i when when that transpired I was driving i was driving home on election night um i would definitely go out afterwards and uh, drink something lots of somethings to help go to sleep and not you know scream and rage But it was just kind of, I saw it happening. The the numbers were coming in. I was like, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm scared. I know this is going to, this is not going to be good. Yeah. But I'm like, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, he exists because we, we give that type of voice airtime and we don't do our due diligence to bridge the gap as best we can. As we start, we talked about earlier today, we're not going to, um, not everyone's going to like you. But there's a possibility that everyone respects you. Yeah, There's a possibility for that to happen. You got to go out, you got to do the legwork. You can't call them a bag of deplorables and then not go talk to that side.
1: Agreed, yeah.
0: Even if they are, even if some of them are not, you know, people that you can, you know, create a friendship with. Mm-hmm. You can't label them and judge them like that, and and expect that they want to listen to you.
1: That's not how you change people.
0: I mean, and there's there's definitely a lot to be said about you know, as we've gotten older in this regime, mm-hmm. um, th- that particular side of things. I've, I've got moving right along to my next question. <laughs> what
1: movie do you feel deserves a sequel? <sighs> okay. I have to okay. I have one, but it's a ton of caveats. Okay. It. It's a sequel to David Lynch's Dune. Okay. But I want the second one because Dune is like a, a six, seven page, six book mm-hmm. opus. It's amazing. Do the second one, have Alejandro Zrodorowski do it and have him do his version of Dune. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I that I would totally be okay with. Nice. Or okay. or maybe send um, Yojimbo Sandro, the movies, these are samurai movies that Sergio Leone remade into Fistful of Dollars, oh. Two Dollars More, and Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm. And uh, which they got in a lawsuit over that. And if there was another, yeah, if there's a third one, I love living in that world the samurai, you know, Ronin world of like this, you know, leaderless samurai who just tries to do the right thing in these mm. like rundown villages. Maybe that. Either one of those two. I'd be okay with either one.
0: Um, look out if, go out and get a PS4 and get the, go- the game Ghosts of Toshima.
1: Ghosts of Tashima? Alright, I'm literally going to type this down.
0: Look it up. Um, look at the trailer and the gameplay stuff.
3: <whistles> mm.
0: If you love Red Dead Redemption, folks at home, look for this game. Moving on. <laughs> what is your phone backdrop and or wallpaper?
1: Um, it's a painting by Sofu Teshikahara. Ooh. Um, he was a um flower arranger in Japan, and he taught it. Um, he like created his own college for these flower arrangers. Um, and he he sometimes did gutai painting, which is like uh, abstract expressionism in Japan was called Gutai. Mm. And Kazuro Shiraga is another one that's really famous for that. And uh, his son ultimately became Hiroshi Teshigahara, who's one of my favorite directors. wow.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: so it's. I don't know. It's, I should be my daughter or something, but I always put art in there instead.
0: Hey, you love her.
1: I do. And I see her all the time. She's, she's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> my phone's me time, damn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. I get it now. <laughs> Which living musician would you pay the most money to see?
1: Um, can I pick two and both with caveats kinda? Yes. Okay. No uh, ask the
0: questions fast.
1: All right. No, actually, okay. Um, I would love to see King Crimson during the Discipline album with uh Bill Bruford, Robert Fripp, and Adrian Bellow. That would be amazing. Like 1983 King Crimson. I would pay a ton of money for that. Um, I'd love to see the Dead Kennedys reunited, and I'd love to see that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, East Bay Ray and Jello Biafra, get me in there, you know? Nice. Um or Bjork in her prime in the 90s when she was like, her voice was like full and like, because age age fucks with everybody and her, her voice is a little brittle now. Mm-hmm. And to see her when she was like on point, oh, seriously, that sent chills up my spine. This question would be a lot easier, by the way, if it was, if you could pick a dead musician. <laughs> Which dead musician
0: would you pay the most money
1: to see? Thelonious Monk, hands down. Boom. See? Thelonious Monk. Dude, the way he like, Mm, The way he uh, juxtaposed these like chunky piano riffs against like this melodic music was inspiring to say the least.
0: No, man, he's, he's a fucking godfather of jazz. Yeah. Um, What was
1: your first car? Oh, a 1978 Volkswagen minibus. (laughs) It was awesome. And it was surprisingly a chick magnet magnet too. The first day I brought it to school. I know. First day I brought it to school. The whole cheerleading squad went to lunch with me because you could drive off to go to lunch at my high school, and so my friends had to drive behind us. and He's and they're they're laughing because I have like thirteen cheerleaders in this Volkswagen bus. <laughs> we used to clam bake it too all the time. It was one of my it's probably one of my favorite vehicles full time.
0: Um, folks at home, you're about to get hit with a second Simpsons reference. We're going <laughs> to ride the second base mobile. <laughs> it was great it was wonderful what conspiracy theory do you kind of believe the most
1: do you consider the p-tape a conspiracy theory
0: no i consider it a fact
1: okay because I, I was i was gonna say that one
0: <laughs> but i mean if yeah
1: <laughs> the whole steel report
0: <laughs> yeah. if, um, if they called anything a hoax that can be a conspiracy
1: all right but i guess that one's too easy huh
0: there is no easy to this.
1: That, yeah, right. Well, because you don't want to seem like a lunatic who's like, no, it was an inside job. You know, you don't want to be one of those people. Um, <laughs> all right. Let me really think about this for a second. I'm sorry.
3: Don't th- don't worry about it. Mm.
1: I know a lot of people would gravitate towards the Kennedy thing. Right. Um, but Lee Harvey Oswald was supposed to be like a really good shot. He was like an amazingly good shot you know and so i don't know i'm gonna go with p-tape i'm going with p-tape final answer there yeah
0: final answer i like it and- <laughs> it's
1: current it's relevant yeah
0: nice.
1: <laughs> who was your first celebrity crush tom mm. all right i need to preface this with i am not a furry but my first celebrity crush was bianca from the rescuers
0: come on baby
1: uh dude she was alone. she's she was adorable Right? Well, and that that Jaja Gabor voice, oh, um which I didn't realize that well, I grew up on watching Green Acres, too, and I had a huge crush on Ava Gabor. Um, and then, when I realized they were sisters and there was a third Gabor sister, I'm like, this explains my love of blondes. This is amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my very first crush was Marilyn Monroe, my first celebrity crush. like the like the first time I was watching, I watched Some Like It Hot. My mom, oh, yeah. her best friend, Diane, watched me just, just transfix. like
1: <laughs> oh. What is that? She's a good one to pick, for real.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about an easy answer. Like, it's almost cliche, but I ain't wrong.
1: <laughs> All right. So full disclosure, I do listen to your podcast otherwise. Someone picked Jacqueline Smith over Farrah Fawcett and I thought that was the right choice. Jekyll Smith was definitely oh,
0: out of yeah. the Marley's Angels.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, Shout a- out to whoever liked Jekyll Smith. <laughs> oh man, I wonder
0: if that was Mark Stith. It might have been him. We'll, we'll we'll go back. We'll go back. And find out. Um, um. Last rapid fire question. What's that code for the movies?
1: Oh, uh, it is Ghost Lights. Um, yeah. All lowercase. Uh, so you, there, the links will be in the description. Uh, you can go in. You can you click on the link. It'll you can't do it on mobile. That was one of the things that I can't do. So I had to do it only on PCs. Um, but you can cast it to your TV, whatever. Um, so the the it'll prompt you for a um, a password, and the pass the password is all lowercase, one word. Ghostlight. Bam. Yeah.
0: Tom, when we get to the stage of the conversation, I always ask. What's that ghost light you wish was left on for you when you started your career?
1: Right. What was it? I would. Okay. So I would have to say, um, and this is like something you wish someone had told you when you were younger. Right. When you mm-hmm. first started. Okay. Or um,
0: you would tell like some a young director comes up to you and you just go like,
1: this those is- are two separate things. Oh. A young director. Now I would say, dude, just go make a film. You have an mm-hmm. iPhone, go buy a zoom, make a movie. You know, don't when I when I lecture at schools, I tell them to quit. There's no reason to get hundred thousand dollars in debt to learn how to make a film when you can go do it with a phone.
3: Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Um, but what I would want to tell like people I don't know, like me or myself when I was younger, is to not be embarrassed to consume everything. You know? Um, the more you consume, the better your taste gets, and the better your taste gets, the better your art will get. It, it may never line up your taste and your art. Um, but then you're always striving for something better and it'll push you, um, and not to be embarrassed by that and just kind of own that. Absolutely.
0: If you have a, I always say that the well runs deep, the best mm-hmm. work comes from a place where you can pull Yeah. within without having to force it and fake it. I mean, you want to be able to, if you need the little boost of confidence, act like you belong. Mm-hmm. the work is going to be richer if you got stuff to pull from and sometimes that comes from just digging deep into a script and sometimes that comes from doing the homework when you didn't think you were doing the homework picking up the book because you love to read picking up
1: the. do book. you in your performances do you dig from within yourself like your own demons and stuff
0: yeah, absolutely I've I've got no choice. The when I started out, I was very presentational. I really wanted just people to like me, and Mm -hmm. so all I did was you know hit my notes, hit my blocking, and get memorized. And that that can work. You can do that and do that very well and Mm
3: -hmm.
0: have a career and have a good career, a damn good one. But it for me, I found myself just hitting and just running into a wall. Like I wasn't feeling anything, and and I was. What, a, what I think what a, one of the things that I, I noticed is I wasn't like the people that I looked up to always felt like they were doing something I couldn't do.
1: And what was that? That was that thing that pulling into it. Yeah.
0: It was just like, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't, I can't define it. It was like, I mean, watching, you know, Cajardo Lindsay or Sam Gregory, Jim Hunt, watch, watching those guys and go like, I don't do that. I don't know what that is. What is that? Then I think, okay, I got to dig deeper. I got to find
1: something. In, you know, I got. What I always tell my actors, and I th- I, think, I think I told you this. Mm. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I save it for my film actors, which me. you will be soon. Um, the more you bleed for this project, the more the project becomes a sincere piece of work, mm. you know, and people will identify with it. If you hold back from buying in, it becomes stilted. No one, no one will buy into it. But when you bleed for someone else, there's, you know, something really beautiful about that. And it's cathartic for you as well. You know, yeah. everybody's getting something out of it. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Tom, thank you so much for
1: being our guest tonight. D- dude, Sam, thank you. I was so nervous and you're just like the easiest dude to talk to. Seriously. Thank oh, you. I
0: appreciate it, man. That, I, that's I love. Um, I love that. I thought of doing this. Cause I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what I'd be doing outside. Like it got to, I got to a place where I was like, Oh, I really love acting. I really want to talk to other people about acting as opposed to what they've got going on next. I want to know what they do. And yeah. I want to talk to, you know, artists, period. People who are dedicating themselves to this, something, some craft and anything can be an art um steve mm-hmm. young 49er great quarterback he'd said that even being a quarterback even being like if you are you know mopping the floor somewhere at like a concert hall maybe your puke mop that <laughs> itself should be an art
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i mean finding those things and so i mean i i wanted to talk to people about it and i'm really i'm really fortunate that i I've, i'm I'm getting people to trust me and and not regret spending the time with me
1: Exactly. No, it's incredibly fun to talk to you and uh and to talk about theory that's something I love to nerd out on and talk about absolutely
0: yeah. I mean, it's all theory we're all we're all it's all the best guess
1: I, exactly yeah. yeah there's no that's, that's so maddening about art is there's no equation that you can plug in like these variables and you get a masterpiece or whatever. like yeah. art is so not like that yeah.
0: but neither is just
1: to own it. and yeah. neither is what there's neither is life no, huh-.
0: I remember I, I, had a, I had an amazing girlfriend and I, I, I told her one night after we took a, a moonlit stroll I was like, I wish I had the equation to make this you know, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's no surprise that after saying that shortly after it ended. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you
1: know. but at least you put it out there. You know, yeah. that's a very like raw and real statement. Well, you know? I, I,
0: I'll tell you this. I'm too old now to to um, like, If I want to call you, I'm going to call you. If I want to text you, I'm going to text you. And oh. if I'm going to audition for you, it's because I want the job. I'm going ham. That's, that's, all, that's the only way I know how to do it.
1: Well, I'm going to take it then personally as a huge compliment that every time I've texted you, you've been like, yeah, I'll do it. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Taking that as a huge compliment.
0: You should. i lead with my heart, man. I don't fuck around. Too, like I said, I'm too old for that. Yeah. We're all too old for it. If you're yeah. not a fuck, yeah, 100% on it, you don't need to do it, and that's okay. yep ladies and gentlemen this has been the ghost lights podcast episode 51 make sure that you follow our descriptions on these posts there will be a link at the very least you can copy and paste it and watch some of tom house's work this is a once in a lifetime opportunity honestly it's the first time we've done anything like this the password will be ghost lights all one (gasps) word lowercase. or is it ghost light
1: ghost light i i didn't didn't put put s Yep. And Correct. um it's only available until May 31st. Oh, boom.
0: See? Once in a
1: lifetime, folks. <laughs> Clock is ticking.
0: Um once again, that is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. I had a great time tonight, Tom. Thank you so much. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. And neither is the Ghost Lights Podcast. Dan, do the damn thing.